0: Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our of properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like fantasy booking fanfiction.
1: <laughs> I'm Lindsay, and I use
0: she-her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they-them, and we have a returning guest here today. Hi, Brian. Hello, it's me, it's Brian, it's your boy, Brian. I use he him pronouns. And Brian, I hear that you're once again going to try and tell us what wrestling is.
2: It's true. I've <laughs> I've I've, re- I've returned. I've returned from the land of kayfabe to to instruct you all on the the um, the sport of kings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sport of sport of kings. It is wrestling. It's not offshore yacht racing or polo. No, no. It, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's the the people's sports of sport of kings uh <laughs> nothing but nothing but proletarian instincts in the world of professional wrestling it's not controlled by just a like two billionaires not at all uh yeah so today uh instead of rebooking a, a storyline that i thought had potential but didn't go uh particular ways mostly because of real life today i'm just inventing shit out of whole fucking cloth
0: Okay, so this is the true fanfiction moment. This is not revisionist history. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, just just fantasy booking an entire run for a wrestler.
2: That has not happened.
1: (laughs) Well, this is new Um. for
2: it. (laughs) Yeah, so, so, oh, sorry, what'd you say, Lindsay?
1: Oh, this is just new territory for us, sort of.
2: Oh yeah, uh, and especially I'm definitely I'm coming with incredibly like I, I've got a fairly accessible plan of a wrestler I bet nobody's fucking heard of <laughs> <laughs> fighting a bunch of wrestlers nobody's
0: heard of. <laughs> so that's it's great. It's it, it's a something new for everybody. Um, now, okay, you say you say it's for a wrestler that no one's ever heard of, but when you mentioned who it was, I mean, you thought, oh, I've heard of that guy. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I say this
2: mostly because like. Like, I love mid card guys. Um, like the mid card, like, you can judge a promotion uh, pretty much by the strength of its mid card. It doesn't matter who's at, like, of course, whoever's at the top of the card is going to be impressive. Why else would you put them there? Uh, mm-hmm. it's the, all the losers in the middle <laughs> <laughs> and what you have to do with them. Cause you've got to feel like what, what's AEW up to now? They, they've got to fill five hours of TV a week now. Um, I guess technically seven, if you count ROH, which is on their their streaming platform now. So it's all the middle guys in the middle who create like inter like who have kind of nothing to fight for, so they just have to do storylines. And it's always it's, it's my favorite part of wrestling. Um, much okay. like I like all the B tier X Men. Like <laughs> <so>. yes,
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've heard. But me and Lindsay have become huge X-Men fans over the course of the hiatus, so...
2: <laughs> I have been hearing that. I am... At some point, we'll have to, like, just talk about X-Men, how... Uh, I, you guys can listen to how I believe that there is no better couple in all of all of comic books history as Scott Summers and Emma Frost. They're made for each other. Uh, and... Everybody else should just get on on with that. I, I think every other coupling for Scott Summers is terrible.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I really like Emma and Scott together, but I prefer Emma being a free agent. I mean, that's fair.
2: I just like them uh bringing out the absolute fucking worst in each other. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that is fun. I would like to see more often Emma and uh, Sean Cassidy together mm-hmm. because they often got paired up for like running schools. But like why not get together? He's hot and Irish. <laughs> <laughs> <That's true.
2: laughs> but today what I bring you is the uh is the rise and eventual fall of Eddie the Mad King Kingston. Uh Eddie Kingston is a wrestler from the Bronx and he will let you know uh that particular fact about himself. He is a a guy who has who kind of grew up in a hard life, got into professional wrestling at a young age, but like through a weird, as a guy who grew up in the Bronx, he got into professional wrestling, not through like what was on TV at the time, but through like tape trading and watching like Japanese pro wrestling. Big fan of New Japan, big fan of All Japan and uh, Wrestling and Romance, and kind of took that King's Road style that was very popular in All Japan and Wrestling and Romance, um, and kind of made that his thing with like a weird, american edge to it Uh, always was on the indies mostly because uh he's notorious he he used to be notoriously hard to work with uh because of a lot of reasons uh because (laughs) professional wrestling while i love it uh is not the greatest when it comes to how its stars kind of end up living um Mm -hmm. but by all accounts, Eddie has kind of, like, gotten a lot of his shit together. And he's been doing extremely well in uh AEW, where he premiered. I sent uh Tanner a bunch of, <laughs> of Eddie Kingston stuff uh, to kind of give you a general vibe about Eddie Kingston, because the thing about Eddie Kingston is he's the realest dude in wrestling. He may not understand that wrestling is fake. Uh
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah. got the sense of, like, Compared to the other wrestlers who I've glanced at, mind you, I tend to go for the, like the really wild out there ones, because I like to see when wrestling gets fucking weird as hell. Mm-hmm. So it's like, in comparison to like psionic warriors and shit that I've seen clips of before, and you look at Eddie Kingston, and he's like, I am here because I have beaten my alcoholism, and I am now going to destroy... This, uh, I forgot his name, but he looks like Jughead's dad. <laughs> Skittle Rich. <laughs> Chris Jericho looks like Jughead's dad in what Riverdale no, no CM Punk looks a little oh. bit I got I caught a guy, guy who's only seen Riverdale man I'm getting a bit of a ski adult vibe <laughs> from this guy I guess I can kind
2: of see it yeah but like the thing I like about Eddie is uh, especially in his run in AEW he's kind of become this like guy who's Really aggressive, but extremely emotionally vulnerable. And that's not a normal combination of things. <laughs> and he's just like a guy you kind of want to see succeed because he like he tries real hard and he's just like yeah. a regular dude. Mm-hmm. And the AEW story for Eddie, for the most part, has been like a guy who. Can get to the big match, but cannot win it. He had, like, arguably the biggest match that he's had in AEW. Uh, One of my favorite moments in AEW. He gets into a title picture with CM Punk. Uh, They have this great sort of, like, both two dudes who are so good at talking on the microphone. uh, Mm -hmm. In kind of different ways. They have this great exchange of words. And then when the match finally comes... Right before the bell ring, Eddie hits CM Punk with like a spinning back fist and just knocks him out. Just knocks him out cold before the bell rings. Uh and so he gets this visual victory over Punk, but then once the match actually starts, he can't like Punk has time to recover and get get one over on him. So he ultimately doesn't pick up the win because of his own impatience. If he waited literally ten more seconds, he could have done that and won the match. And wow. proven CM Punk wrong, but he didn't. And that's what I like about Eddie. He's a guy who tries really hard, but secretly you kind of think, well, maybe maybe he can't do this. <laughs> and so that's kind of where we're we're at with this. So this uh this timeline uh takes into account a couple of different things. Uh, notably, uh at some point, CM Punk will take the AEW world title off of MJF as is written in the fucking stars, uh, okay. MJF so this is on a is, collision. Now we're
0: getting course. into the the stuff that hasn't happened yet. The stuff, yes, from your mind.
2: yeah, yeah. We we are fully we are now entering into fantasy world. Um, okay, based kind of on what's going on now. I thought about having Eddie taking the belt off of uh, MJF, but I just I really think it needs to be <laughs> Punk. <laughs> um, but and also because like, CM Punk is the world champion. Uh, he's probably mm-hmm. being a smarmy dick about it. Because that's what CM Punk does. Uh, I love, I love, uh, Charles Montgomery Punk quite a bit, but he is his own worst enemy mm-hmm. a lot of times. I found this extremely fun, uh, cut of CM Punk to, uh, Taylor Swift's anti hero, and it's very apropos. <laughs> um, I guess for people, yeah, for people who don't follow wrestling, about a year ago, after, a. uh, uh after a title match at a major pay-per-view for AEW, where CM Punk won, uh, they do press conferences after their pay-per-views that are kind of like half-in storyline. It kind of depends on the wrestler. Some wrestlers don't break character. Some wrestlers kind of treat it, you know, they they step out of character and talk about things from a more logistical standpoint. It's kind of just depends on who's doing it. Punk, um, he... Was very upset about a number of things and, uh, began ragging on the company that he worked for, not in character, just because he was mad, uh, <laughs> for like 25 minutes to the press with his <laughs> boss sitting there. <laughs> and then he, particularly, he talked about the executive vice presidents of the company who are also wrestlers, the Young Bucks of Kenny Omega, um, talked about how they couldn't manage a target, uh, if they tried um they have no business running a wrestling company um when the young bucks and kenny omega were like hey, confronted him after this press conference like hey what the fuck uh, a big fist fight broke out and they all got suspended <laughs> <laughs> so that's cm punk he's back now uh they actually if you believe the storylines they've literally started an entirely separate show just for cm punk to be on there so they don't have to mix the uh like Kenny Omega and the Bucks and CM Punk on TV. <laughs> um, so Punk eventually regains his title that he was stripped of for, for getting into a fistfight with his bosses Uh, after this, and is doing his CM Punk stuff. He's talking about how he's the best in the world, that nobody can touch him, and this is where he runs afoul of Eddie Kingston one more time. Again, Eddie Kingston could not take out CM Punk last time. uh, Because of his own impatience, his... His own bravado and hubris, Eddie Kingston struck Punk way too early and cost himself one of the biggest wins of his career. And in the lead up to this match with Punk, Punk keeps bringing that up. How Eddie is his own worst enemy. Eddie is the guy who's kept himself down. He's the one who's kept himself out of the big leagues for so long. He's the guy who won't play ball because of his own pride. Eddie talks about how he's a changed guy. Like he's gone through a lot, especially entering AEW, he has gone through a lot. And if anybody is their own worst enemy, it's Mr. Chick Magnet Punk. Uh, <laughs> that's what actually the CM and CM Punk stands for. By the way, it's Chick Magnet. Uh, <laughs> oh God! As the match happens, it's a you. Know, it's a fairly intense match. I'm not going to go blow for blow in the matches. The actual wrestling is kind of hard to to describe to people who isn't who aren't like super familiar with it. And it's really just an extension of, like, the emotions that go into the match made physical. Um, One of the Mm -hmm. things I like, like, that's the fun thing about being a theater kid is I get to tune in basically every Wednesday and watch the most melodramatic play-to-the-cheap-seats theater that I can (laughs) on a Wednesday night. Uh, And that's, you know, that's why I like about professional wrestling. Um, Ultimately, uh, Eddie Kingston shows himself to be have more resolve to he keeps his cool even though punk tries to uh get goad him into making a mistake during the match but he keeps his cool and ultimately wrestles the title away from cm punk new champion eddie kingston also on this pay-per-view uh we get to finally get the loss this is going to be relevant in the future uh lower down the card uh one of my other favorite wrestlers Who's like the exact opposite of Eddie Kingston, uh, Orange Cassidy. Um, yes, yeah, I know him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he is
2: the guy, everybody knows Orange Cassidy, uh, because he's the guy who doesn't really care. He is currently, uh, the all Atlanta, no, no, the international champion for AEW. It's kind of their mid card title. And he is at something like 27 sec- consecutive defenses of that fucking title. He's been doing this like he had a match at least once a week. Every week where he has been telling the continuous story of every injury that he gets in these week to week to week to week matches. Um and it's been phenomenal. And I think at this pay-per-view, it's about time we let Orange Casty rest. (laughs) 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 And he is he is defeated, uh, he loses an international title. I'm gonna say to Zack Sabre Jr. because I love Zack Saber Jr. Um and I love that. I would like his smarmy uh, leftist British ass to just be on AEW TV every week. Um, <laughs> quick aside about Zack Sabre Jr. One day, one time during the uh, G1 uh, climax, which is a tournament that happens in Japan. It's like grueling tournament uh round robin style where the wrestlers basically wrestle every day. The storyline was Zack Sabre Jr. was losing a lot. And every time... Uh, he would lose a match. He would storm into the press conference area for New Japan and just blame every loss on the Tories. And it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Eddie Kingston, now champion, has reached the heights that he has been trying to, uh, reach since he was a little kid. He is the face of the, one of the major wrestling promotions in America, a place he never thought he would be. And, Literally the first night on Dynamite, when he comes out to address the crowd, he is confronted by Christopher Jericho, whose wife, uh, you don't want to talk about where she was on January 6th. That's not relevant to this conversation, Chris. Uh, But we know where she was, Chris. Um, (laughs) He comes out. uh, He's been an opponent of Eddie Kingston's a number of times before. Chris Jericho is the guy who came over from AEW, or from WWE that is, is basically his whole character. He calls himself a sports entertainer instead of a wrestler and says how much better that is to be. Um, and he views Eddie Kingston as a guy who is not capable of handling the responsibility of being the world champion. He can't be the face of the company. He doesn't have the wherewithal. He can't take that pressure. This is foreshadowing. Uh <laughs> And basically says, like, I'm going to take that belt off of you for your own good, Eddie, because you can't handle this, Eddie. We both know that you can't. Um, and they go through. He, Chris Jericho probably shows up with a million goons. That's kind of Chris Jericho's deal. He is the, he has been the perennial faction builder since his, his arrival in AEW. And I'm sure he's got like a million goons that Eddie has to fight his way through. Um, and Eddie does eventually conquer Chris Jericho at this, kind of proving that yeah, he can in fact hang at the top of the, the card. Mm-hmm. And then, because I love factions, uh, we get like he gets uh and also because we need to change things up a little bit, uh his next challenger the next challenger to the throne is Malachi Black, uh formerly Alistair Black in WWE or Tommy End when he was on the Independence before. Um he shows up with his uh his gaggle of spooky boys in the House of Black. Um They, if you want to see maybe one of the best wrestling in, like, uh, like walks to the ring ever, the House of Black are great. Uh, they're really, they're just like three dudes and, uh, Julia Hart, who is a witch. Um, just like they're real into metal. (laughs) Like they come out, (laughs) uh, draped in black cloaks, wearing these like ornate skull and, horn masks and they like teleport to the ring. Like the lights will cut out and they'll teleport from the ramp into the ring. Um, it's very, very good. Um, Malachi black says that Eddie Kingston, he doesn't have the discipline to be the world champion. He he, like, yeah, sure. You might have the heart, but like, can you keep yourself on the straight and narrow? Look at me. I'm al-, like, Alistair black is kind of a dude who has like a kickboxing background extremely mr workout eddie kingston is shaped like a dude (laughs) yeah (laughs) um eddie kingston has never been like a guy who's like a body guy uh in professional wrestling and uh, alistair black is a guy who looks like he literally only ever runs and never sleeps and that's kind of the story of this again eddie has to kind of overcome the odds of the house of black who have um like a dude who's a really great high flyer in Buddy Murphy, and just the biggest son of a bitch ever, uh, in Brody King, he does eventually over like uh, conquer them, uh, finding finding that sort of discipline that he needs, like f- being able to tap into like that resolve to stay champion to to win and prove people wrong. Uh, Eddie finds the discipline he needs to conquer uh, Malachi. Black. I keep trying to call him Alistair Black. I wrote Alistair Black in my notes uh conquer Malachi Black in the House of Black uh remaining champion. Again, uh being at, like when you're at the th- when you wear the crown, everybody's coming for it. And the next yeah, up is Jay yeah. White, who is uh just a weird little New Zealander guy. He's just a weird little guy. Nice. Uh, Jay White <laughs> is. a uh, knife pervert Jay White. Um <laughs> uh, his he for real? This is not me doing a bit. He's the he's he's, Kind of nickname is Switchblade Jay White because he um knives are kind of his uh his motif. His finishing move is called the Blade Runner, but he also calls himself King Switch. Jay White? Just King Switch, King of the Switches. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody in a press <laughs> conference one time was like, Do you know what the connotation of that is? And he's like, Yeah. <laughs> it's like I- <laughs> alright. Well, goddamn Jay White, go for it. Eddie Kingston and Jay White have history. Um, when they were both wrestling in New Japan recently, they had they had an intense feud that culminated in a loser leaves New Japan match uh, that Eddie Kingston won, thus kicking Jay White uh, out of New Japan Pro Wrestling. This is of course because he like his contract was up and he signed with AEW. But you know, kayfabe doesn't care about real life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Jay White. Looks at Eddie Kingston, everybody's getting, he's getting all of this accolades. Uh, to hell with this guy, he's King Switch. He deserves to be at the top of that mountain. Uh, this is a pretty short feud, mostly because I just want to wrap up this storyline between them. Seems weird that uh, Eddie Kingston would be world champion and not get, get some level of beef from the guy he uh, kicked out of an entirely different company <laughs> to be here. <laughs> kind of like a palate cleanser from all of the uh, intense emotional... Uh, ragging on Eddie Kingston's character is mostly just a pure revenge plot of being like, hey, fuck you. No, hey, fuck you. (laughs) So, this is where things kind of take a turn. Eddie Kingston has fended off three uh, credible challengers to his title. He's feeling pretty good. These are some great wrestlers, some real legends, and he's beaten them all, and he's still at the top of the mountain. Over on AEW's kind of sister brand, Ring of Honor, a guy named Mark Briscoe has become their world champion. Uh, Mark Briscoe is part of a tag team called the Briscoe Brothers. Unfortunately, his brother, uh, Jay, he recently passed away in, like, real life uh, in a car accident. It's very, very tragic. Um, By all accounts, Mark Briscoe and Jay Briscoe, great, great dudes. Uh, And since then, Mark has had to kind of transition from being a perennial tag team wrestler to being a singles guy. Because obviously his tag team partner is not there anymore. And mm-hmm. this storyline, this kind of feel-good storyline, has culminated in in Mark Briscoe becoming the Ring of Honor world champion. Ring of Honor has been the home of the Briscoe brothers. Like, they are synonymous with one another. And it's great to see Mark at the top of the bill. Uh, on AEW's Battle of the Belts, which is kind of a special event that they regularly do, they have an exhibition match. Uh, Eddie Kingston and Mark Briscoe, they've been good friends for a long time. And they have an exhibition match. World Champion versus World Champion. No titles on line. Just to see them fight. Um, it's a pretty good match. Uh, right up until Mark Briscoe wins. That's weird. Uh, yeah. This is the first time Eddie's ever lost. But it was for a non-title match. He doesn't lose his title. Uh, but it plants the seed of doubt. In Eddie Kingston's mind. Mark can beat me. He beat me once. There's a solid chance he can beat me again. Now Mark doesn't have any intention... Of coming after the AEW championship. But he might, in Eddie Kingston's head, because he knows that he can beat Eddie Kingston. So Eddie Kingston decides to solve this problem before it becomes a problem and begins attacking Mark Briscoe to try and take him out so he doesn't have to deal with him. He doesn't have to deal with this guy coming for the the throne. He's going to be proactive this time. And while this is happening, uh, like, he just continues to attack Mark Briscoe to try and take him out. Not to, like, because Mark hasn't even remotely challenged Eddie for this, but he Eddie keeps coming to ROH, attacking Mark Briscoe, legitimately just trying to take him out of his career, so he never has to fight him. Uh, this uh, self-fulfilling prophecy is Mark Briscoe versus, you know, ends in Mark Briscoe versus Eddie Kingston, where Mark has everything cinched up, but Eddie cheats um, by either, you know, thumb to the eye, distracting the ref, hitting him with a foreign object, something along those lines, and he beats Mark Briscoe, uh, but Eddie's not content at this point, because Mark could maybe get a rematch or something like that, uh, so he begins attacking, uh, Mark Briscoe after the, uh, defeat. Coming to save Mark Briscoe is one of Eddie Kingston's oldest friends in the world, John Moxley. Uh, John Moxley is the former Dean Ambrose in WWE. Eddie and Mox were always really good friends, um, and they've had a tumultuous relationship since Mox has come to AEW. Uh, Mox kind of gets in between Eddie and Mark, running him off. In the build for this feud, uh, Mox talks about how, like, it's not really the cheating that Mox gets. Mox is like a dude who, like, who loves just hardcore matches. He, he'll, it's... If you have to do something to win, that's fine. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Winning and keeping the championship, it's fine if you cheat, but attacking the guy when his back is turned, attacking him after the bell, that's not Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston may have been a guy who does what he has to to win, but he was never a bully like this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this fight becomes very intense. Eddie kind of like being like, what do you know about me? You went to WWE for like 10 years. You sold your soul to the devil. Meanwhile, I was out here grinding, earning my place, uh, climbing that ladder that you got shot to the top of. He probably makes a bunch of references to the shield. Uh, this gets really, these are two dudes who are very intense, um, and the only match that seems appropriate for them to blow off this particular feud, uh, this is gonna sound like a slight escalation till I get to the explanation, uh, their feud gets blown off in an exploding barbed wire death match. Uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this has, uh, emotional, uh, resonance for them, uh, because Moxley fought Kenny Omega in an exploding barbed wire death match, uh, and at the very end, uh, Moxley was left handcuffed in the middle of the ring and a big explosion was going to happen. And Eddie Kingston came out and that like, because they were friends, they're-, they're friends, he bodily put himself between Moxley and what the explosion was going to be. Hilariously, in real life, the explosion didn't happen. <laughs> it just never happened. And uh, but Eddie didn't know that because his head was down. So he sold it like it did happen. Um, and then they had to come up with a whole storyline reason for all of that. <laughs> it was great. Um, so these guys go into an exploding barbed wire death match. Uh, notably, uh, it works this time. <laughs> uh, it's not a farty little spot, like sparklers don't go off at the end. Um... <laughs> Yeah. But Eddie wins this he he kind of very similar to uh, to Kenny Omega leaves Moxley handcuffed in the middle of the ring as the big timer goes down for the big explosion. Eddie goes to leave the ring and you see just a moment of pause as he looks back and thinks like, I, am I going to leave him here? And then you see that resolve of like, no, I'm staying champion. He he exits the ring, uh, the ring big explosion moxley's off television for a little while he finally gets a vacation john moxley has carried AEW on his goddamn back for like two and a half years the the guy needs to be written off tv for a little while and know what better (laughs) way to send off john moxley than to literally explode him um and so there's nobody really left now eddie kingston is at the top of the mountain he has beaten everybody he's cut off Everything that could possibly get in his way of being and staying champion. Uh, he's cutting this promo. He's talking about how I am the best. Nobody is better than me uh, on Dynamite. And that's when the music hits. And Orange Cassidy, who we haven't seen in a long time because he's been taking a rest from uh, being the probably the most dominant champion in AEW history... Uh, he comes out, and in extremely classic Orange casty way, uh, just says like, "I hate bullies," and then leaves. Uh, he doesn't confront Eddie Kingston at all. He's just like, "You suck," <laughs> and then leaves. And then he just ignores Eddie Kingston. Like people ask him in interviews, like, "What was that? Were you confronting Eddie Kingston?" He's like, "Oh, I just was tired of hearing him talk. Uh, that's not really my concern right now." And just does, just blows off Eddie Kingston. And Eddie can't take this. Like, it's one thing for this dude to confront him. It's another thing for this dude to ignore him. He's the damn world champion. And so Orange Cassidy just continues to ignore Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston is obsessed, uh, with Orange Cassidy to the point where in other matches, he's like knocking dudes out and then putting their hand, like their hands in like, in a pocket's position to taunt Orange Cassidy and then like doing like you know continuing submission moves and stuff like that to these poor jobbers that he's just taking out week to week um and finally he confronts him and one thing about Eddie Kingston that's probably true even when he's a he's being kind of like a a paranoid bad guy is that Eddie Kingston loves his mother <laughs> nobody loves their mom <laughs> more than Eddie Kingston Eddie Kingston constantly talks about how his mother is the most important person in his life who has helped him when he's at his lowest uh his mother he, he talks about his mom with with great reverence
0: he sounds like the kind of guy who would do that
2: yeah yeah Who oh, he's definitely that kind of guy uh, <laughs> um and so finally eddie gets like uh, like kind of breaks into a promo segment with uh orange cast gets into his face um talking about how he's He's a com like Orange Cassidy is a joke. He's a clown. He's a comedy wrestler. And there's no way that he could possibly be at his level. And then Orange Cassidy very calmly drops the line lo- drops the line like uh, your mom must be so disappointed in you. And then he just leaves. Um oh. Eddie Kingston loses it at this point. On the next, uh, on the next dynamite, Eddie Kingston is like, I want to beat your denim-wearing, sunglass-having, blonde ass into the ground. I am going to bury you in the middle of this ring. And if I have to put this championship on the line to do that, to get you in this ring, I will do it. And then Orange Cassidy, big, like, his his music hits. There's, there's Pyro. Orange Cassidy walks out, and he goes, Okay, and then leaves. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so we come to the pay-per-view it's probably full gear it's one of their end-of-the-year pay-per-views and it's in new york it's on eddie kingston's territory yeah and so orange cassidy uh, typically when wrestling intros happen the challenger comes out first and then the champion comes out second they get you know they get top billing uh, when orange Casty comes out he doesn't cut this promo because Orange Cassidy doesn't do verbose promos. His buddies, the best friends, Trent and Chuck, they said, like, Eddie, um, we knew that this is an important night for you. Uh, that, like, this is your hometown. Uh, you're defending your championship. And so we wanted to make sure that this moment was special for you. And Orange Cassidy and the best friends have invited front row center Eddie Kingston's mother <laughs> to this match. She is right there front row and center eddie kingston is incensed he does the thing i love about eddie kingston's intros is he never stops <laughs> to acknowledge the audience he just power walks. his music hits and he just power walks to the ring to beat your ass uh he's on the <laughs> clock and he doesn't get paid by the hour so eddie kingston just storms the ring there's no uh there's no pomp and circumstance to it they just go immediately into a fight and orange Casty kind of came up as a comedy wrestler, but Orange Cassidy is an extremely good professional wrestler. Uh he's the guy who can do yeah. chain wrestling, high flying moves, he's very well rounded, and he's very good at storytelling. And this physical style is sort kind of Eddie Kingston's bread and butter. And the mm-hmm. match is long and intense. Uh we get some comedy spots, but Eddie <laughs> Kingston plays the the perennial like no good straight man, kind of like Meaning all of Orange Cassidy's head games by just like, just being brutal back to him. He's not going to make a mistake because his plan, Eddie Kingston's plan is too simple. He's just going to punch you in the face until you stop moving. Uh, so it doesn't matter if he gets bad. That's only kind of a, a help for him. Uh Orange Cassidy does eventually get uh get the upper hand. He gets some momentum going, and that's when we get a ref bump. A, a ref bump is when the e- the referee basically gets knocked out. Hilariously, referees take like the lightest hit and then they're knocked out for like a hundred years uh <laughs> in professional wrestling. <laughs> um but uh Bryce Rimsburg, who has to be the referee for this match, um, he gets knocked out. Uh Eddie Kingston maybe pulls him in between Orange Cassidy and himself, and a move to save himself some damage, knock out the ref. At this point, classic uh heel uh, playbook situation, low blow to Orange Cassidy, uh, Eddie Kingston rolls out of the ring, he grabs the AEW World Championship, he rolls back into the ring, he's about to knock out Orange Cassidy, and then he looks into the audience for a moment, and he sees his mom. And you can see the weight of everything that he's doing hit Eddie Kingston as he sees a look of disappointment in his mother's eyes at the guy that he's become. Uh, And Eddie Kingston, like, as though the weights were lifted from him, Eddie Kingston realizes, like, what am I doing? Like, why am I fighting this hard? Why am I doing things like this? Um, And in that moment of, like, in that moment of clarity, he sort of, like, drops the AEW world title to, like, in this match like on the up and up uh, but he immediately eats uh, a Superman punch from Orange Cassidy that knocks him clean the fuck out uh, 1, 2, three, new world champion Orange Cassidy uh, Eddie Kingston has uh, fallen but we see the lights of redemption, uh, he is comforted by his mother in his loss uh, the pay-per-view goes off the air as uh, Jane by Jefferson Starship uh, plays <laughs> because that's Orange Cassidy's intro music uh, and we now get to Orange Cassidy is now world champion of some major promotion and all is
0: right in the world. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> I love it. I thought this was an Eddie Kingston episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. L- listen. The champion- world championships are best
2: when they are a cursed object that only serves to bring their bearer woe.
0: <laughs> oh, oh! I like the idea of Orange Cassidy being cursed. I'm sure he'll have a notable reaction to this. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and just like also, Orange Cassidy is the—he's probably one of the most well-known and popular wrestlers on AEW's roster. Yeah, and has been putting in the work. Like he's legitimately one of their best people. Like his matches are funny. Uh, they have heart, but you also the way that they structure them he is infinitely rootable for. Uh, You want to see him win uh, because he's a fun guy and also you don't give a shit about your job too. (laughs) (laughs) And Eddie Kingston is a guy who I love quite a bit, but arguably the way that his character at least is currently, he's a dude who would absolutely lose it through paranoia when he got to the top because he's fought so long to be at the top of the ladder. He cannot conceive of like He's the dog who caught the car. Uh, Now that he has it, what do I do? What could possibly, like, what does it mean if I lost it? And that is more scary to Eddie Kingston than anything in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Questions, comments. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know I mentioned a bunch of wrestlers
0: almost nobody else. (laughs) Yeah, they kind of went over my head. But I trust that I'll understand in the edit. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm liking the process. So is this this just the end of it and Eddie Kingston loses? Or do you have more to say about Eddie Kingston's lore going forward? Well, now
2: he's at the bottom of the ladder. Um, I think, Uh, like, probably, you know, what happens is, like, Mox, at this point, Mox has probably been off long enough and he's chomping at the bit to get back into professional wrestling. And so, like... He's at his lowest, uh, Moxley comes back in, uh, they, they probably tee him up for a while. Maybe a tag team championship run for the two of them would be pretty fun. But uh, it's more like, now that Eddie Kingston has gotten to the mountaintop and seen what that does to him, now it's more interesting, his his character now just has more depth. Uh, that's the yeah. interesting thing about yeah. wrestling characters, they'll go through a complete storyline, and now they still exist. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you do, how does your character change when you went through, like, an entire heel, like, when you were the villain arc, when you were the main bad guy of your company? Like, that's why I'm kind of, I'm very interested to see what what they do with Roman Reigns, now that he's been a bad guy for four years, and been, like, the final boss of professional wrestling over in WWE. Like, eventually, he's gotta stop being a bad guy, Um, because, like, it's just... You got to do something different with the characters, uh, and so what does his what does good guy version of that look like? And so what happens? You know, everybody loves a redemption arc, and you just get them all the time in, in wrestling. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because what else are you supposed to do? Like, you can't just write them off unless they decide to leave the company.
2: But yeah, like it, it's fun to hear the storylines, like you've gotten to the top of the mountain and then you fell off of it what's that new story like now your character has all of these new depth all this new depth to it now go forward and let's see what happens from there like how do you build yourself back up from reaching your lowest point um redemption and like kind of like goldilocks or not not goldilocks cinderella (laughs) stories Mm -hmm. are what (laughs) uh what professional wrestling does best right um it professional wrestling is not a very complicated uh form of storytelling (laughs) but it they uh they use a very limited number of tools to great effect Mm -hmm. uh and you get everything you get like a lot of like hard-hitting matches some some high flying uh an exploding barbed wire death match what more could you want fun for the whole family Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you're interested in getting into professional wrestling, or I guess kind of maybe wanting to just understand more about it, because like I know there is even still like a significant amount of like, uh, why do you watch this thing? (laughs) Because like I like regular con, like, professional wrestling, like I call it a sport because that's what professional wrestlers like to call it, but it is like a highly choreographed form of physical storytelling. Yeah but that doesn't mean that it's not you know it doesn't take a lot of work or it's not athletic or anything like that but like i like regular combat sports pretty just fine like i watch like mma and mm-hmm. and boxing uh quite a bit uh but i don't go to those to watch like to like feel feelings <laughs> i go to those to like watch a physical contest um yeah and so if you're interested in like why would anybody be into professional wrestling? Uh Super Eyepatch Wolf has created uh I think 3 videos on professional wrestling that do a great job of illustrating.
1: I think it's 4 now cuz might I, be
2: 4 now. Yeah, cuz I know I know he yeah. just released one for Roman Reigns. Yeah. Cuz I know there's the the one about the Undertaker. Um the one The one about heels. Yeah. <laughs> did he did he do one about the Golden Lovers?
1: Yes. I think that was sort of the fr- to show like how a storyline works. Yeah.
2: And then like he did the most re- yeah. So it, I think there's like one about basically here's how professional wrestling works. One about long-term storytelling talking about the Undertaker. Uh one about how bad guys work in professional wrestling. And then the most recent one's about Roman Reigns. Yeah. Uh, one of the most interesting stories b- basically in act- it like in professional wrestling a guy who was who was supposed to be the chosen one, the crowd wholeheartedly rejected, and he got real-life leukemia, and then he came back as a bastard, and it's great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there was a moment during the lockdown where, like, he was kind of going nuts, because they had to wrestle in, like, these empty arenas. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, the the, th- the quote-unquote Thunderdome uh, in WWE <laughs> was <laughs> weird. Uh, it's like dystopian wrestling. It's a ring in an empty room surrounded by monitors of people Skyping in to be like have their faces in the crowd. Air, like air quotes crowd. Oh, dang. Yeah. It's like <laughs> dystopian cyberpunk wrestling um, <laughs> with piped in crowd noise.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. AEW's solution to this is like they would just because um, they weren't doing live television. They were just like film film batches of episodes, right? So they would just call every, like, they would just kind of like, all right, we're filming today, and they were trying to, like, keep as many people sort of, like, only X number of people are going to be here today, and X number of people are going to be here today. But if you weren't actively in the ring, they put you outside the ring. Like, they put, like, all the other wrestlers who were waiting for their time to be in the ring were in, like, the first three rows around it, and they just shot it like there was an actual audience there. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah.
2: Much better. Wrestling during the pandemic was weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, though it did give rise to one of my favorite matches, uh, the most meta commentary on professional wrestling that's ever been done uh, in professional wrestling, which is the um Firefly Funhouse match. Yeah. From WrestleMania 36. Um, it is a match that is like a deconstruction of John Cena's entire professional wrestling career. Uh, and I use the words match liberally,
1: <laughs>
2: uh, but it's a very fun watch. Available on YouTube, uh, not YouTube Daily Motion, I think. Uh- <laughs> oh boy! Oh. Basically, the match is like uh, Bray Wyatt the Fiend drags John Cena into into a pocket dimension where John Cena must face his sins. <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm also not being hyperbolic. <laughs>
1: What I like about wrestling is hearing people who actually brought, watch wrestling talk about mm-hmm. wrestling. Like when my brother was here, like I used to call wrestling his soaps.
2: It's it's <laughs> definitely not like much different from that because like it's heightened. It's a very heightened form of storytelling, and like I very much like uh wacky wacky garbage <laughs> garbage uh, brackets mm-hmm. affectionate um in professional wrestling like. Weird gimmicks, um people who are like robots or mimes or uh camp or like boy scout uh counselors who wrestle tents um, I love all that stuff. It's just like Eddie Kingston is so weird in professional wrestling because he doesn't seem like he's a character, yeah, <laughs> like I'm sure there is a difference between Eddie Kingston, the real guy, and Eddie Kingston, the guy on t v uh but Eddie Kingston mm-hmm. does the thing that professional wrestling does that like no other form of storytelling can really master and that is professional wrestling uses the idea that it's fake to convince you that it's real Uh Eddie Kingston kind of talks as a guy who you believe the words that he says because he feels like he believes the words that he says and then you're like well how mad is Eddie Kingston and like Eddie Kingston sounds really mad <laughs> Like, not just fake mad, like, really mad. Uh, Is he really mad at this situation? Um, And even then, like, even when real-life stuff happens, wrestling will blur those lines. Like, when CM Punk goes off on a press conference, for at least uh, two months, everybody was wondering if it was in fact fake the whole time. And they were trying to build a storyline until, like, actual lawyers had to get hired. Uh (laughs) Yeah. And then they're like, "Oh no, 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 oh, this God. is real, and even then they've turned it into a storyline, um uh, so, Whew. yeah, professional wrestling does not give a shit sometimes, um and uh it's it's weird it's a weird form of storytelling uh that is can be fun if you can get kind of into it uh I know it can be particularly dense sometimes because like there's no seasons there's no breakpoints there's no good ways to get caught up um because mm-hmm. it's like a contiguous like uh, the thing i one of the interesting things about st- uh, professional wrestling is that it's a it's a form of, it's basically like 100 years of contiguous storytelling especially outside of WWE where people sort of acknowledge the the breadth and depth of professional wrestling uh you know we have storylines like an aw sting who's in his 60s who should not be taking the the sort of risks that he does um
1: my regular
2: (laughs) uh wrestling group every time sting does something we scream sting know your bones um
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's like watching the nfl and seeing tom brady take a hit and it's like oh Oh, god God." your
2: bones tom yeah yeah um (laughs) and uh but if tom brady was jumping off of a ladder onto another dude onto a table
1: (laughs) (laughs) um i mean the rate of cte that you find in football and in wrestling is distressingly similar same with hockey though
2: they've gotten yeah wrestling has gotten generally they, they 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 take the the cte a lot more seriously than they used to for sure yeah um it's very rare that you see the stuff that would really cause, like, that That many of the old-school wrestlers sort of did that caused a lot oh, of that issues. Yeah. New guys just don't do yeah, it. Yeah, back
1: in the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, like, back in the 2000s when they were just dropping, like, flies at 40. Yeah.
2: Like, I mean, that's what happens when you take just, like, chair shot after chair shot to the damn head. Um...
1: Mm-hmm. I do know a little bit of wrestling because, again, Ryan and also um, Behind the Bastards did a six-part series on Vince mm. McMahon,
2: the biggest fucking Google in, Lord... in the world.
1: Maybe, <laughs> yeah. He almost got Andre the Giant killed in Iraq. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my gosh!
2: Well, uh, there famously, <laughs> okay, famously, uh, an entire episode of a SmackDown on Friday nights, had to be like written on the fly, because half the roster was basically being held hostage in Saudi Arabia.
1: <laughs> because Vince McMahon sees a money opportunity and takes it, does not think of the consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole situation with Iraq, and uh, Andre the Giant was um, oh, it was one of the guys who went under like the Sheik name, so I don't think it was the Iron Sheik. Um, it, it was the probably Sheik?
2: the Sheik, a Sheiky baby. Yeah. yeah,
1: the Sheik. So it turns out he was high, He was a high school classmate of Saddam Hussein. That
2: doesn't surprise <laughs> me about Sheiky and- baby.
1: <laughs> and they they kind of knew each other, but the Sheik went and became a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this is like the eighties, and. Um, the the WWE did this whole promo fight in in Baghdad and the thing is it was happening on like the Army national holiday there. So the entire stadium is full of military guys who came armed <laughs> and the sheikh was told by Saddam Hussein, Hey yeah, I, I expect you to win, even though the Sheikh and Andre the Giant had worked out, like, I'll win this fight, you win that fight, I'll win the third fight, we have a whole mm-hmm. thing, it's great, and then the, uh, she has to go over to Andre the Giant and is like, sorry, but I'm gonna have to, like, toss you around like a fucking ragdoll for the next couple of hours because these guys will yeah. kill you. <laughs> we just gotta do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um, it's, it, there's a very, like, weirdly similar story, um, in the, like, I think early 90s uh new japan pro wrestling and wcw um teamed up to have a b- big super card uh, event in north korea uh <laughs> oh, <my laughs> and God. it w- is just <laughs> extremely surreal to watch <laughs> And the wrestler, like, hearing the wrestlers talk about it, I think Dark Side of the Ring did an episode on the, like, the, the, uh, North Korea, I can't remember what the name of the event was, but, uh, the wrestlers are like, it was absolutely the weirdest shit I've ever experienced, and this is from some old school wrestlers who probably experienced some extremely weird shit. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I love wrestling, it, it's like comic books. <laughs> Except with the comic book weirdness, it's, it's just all on the page
2: the yeah it it is very similar to comic books and like that that kind of like weird contiguous wishy-washy history in the same way like in marvel like basically you know everything happened like six years ago yeah like no matter what it is in their timeline as long as it's still technically canon you know it happened some time ago Mm -hmm. because we you know marvel comics doesn't want to explain why peter parker is still you know in his 20s or
0: maybe he's in his 30s now i don't know I saw a good tweet about this actually. The only ages in comic books are child young adult or child teen young adult, adult, and old yeah
2: you're you're just somewhere in one of those brackets uh um, yeah and like as opposed to like and like professional wrestling kind of does the same like if they can't directly reference it they'll they'll reference it in passing like but people can generally kind of continue storylines that they've had with each other across different companies and so it's it is it is very similar like if you honestly if you like comic books you probably will like professional wrestling um if you're trying to get into professional wrestling i generally suggest aew um they're one of my like they're kind of my preferred american company um wwe was doing good for a while um but uh Vince McMahon somehow came back from getting, uh, literally voted out of the company, and he's somehow back in in charge of creative, because, uh, there is no God. Um. (laughs) Apparently! Yep. And, like, Tony Khan is not, like, this is not me saying Tony Khan is a great dude. Like, there are no good billionaires. Um, nobody has ever earned a billion dollars. Uh, but, uh, they are generally... Uh, they- their workers seem to like their working environment a lot more. They could do a lot better when it comes to women's matches. Tony, if you're listening, and I know that you are Tony Khan, uh, book more women's matches. (laughs) But outside of that, uh... Like, Impact is pretty fun. It can be hit or miss sometimes. I honestly think maybe the best place to get started is Ring of Honor. Uh They've recently kind of restarted that company, so, like, all of the characters are fairly fresh. But basically wait for a big, per- like, a big pay-per-view to happen. Maybe watch that pay-per-view, but then start watching after the big pay-per-view. So either start watching wrestling after WrestleMania or after All Out. Those are kind of the, you know, all out for AEW, WrestleMania for WWE, because that's basically when all of the stories reset in those two companies, um, if you're looking for a place to get in.
0: Okay.
1: They're like crossover events, dear God.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if, if the, hopefully at some point WWE and AEW will have some kind of big crossover event, because it would be uh phenomenal The AEW is nicer about working with other companies. Um, They do a regular crossover uh, pay-per-view with New Japan Pro Wrestling every year called Forbidden Door. Um, They have worked with other smaller companies as well. Um, So if you want kind of like more professional wrestling, uh, kind of like a wider swath of professional wrestling, AEW is kind of where you can go. But that's not to say that WWE is bad. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, WWE sucks. They- they've been producing great product. The the people over there work really hard. They just have a very uh, particular style of storytelling uh, that they do. And when they do it well, my lord, do they do it well. Um, <laughs> so, can't take nothing away from them. Uh, except for, like, morality.
0: <laughs> so... Alright, so we're coming up on about an hour. Is there any more you'd like to talk about for the uh, the saga of Eddie Kingston? Um, I think it, like,
2: I did contemplate Eddie Kingston, uh, getting his own faction, bringing in his, his old buddy Homicide, uh... To t- kind of, like, make them a team, but I feel like if Eddie Kingston's gonna get rear-paranoid, he's not going to- he's not gonna bring in anybody, because, no, like, he doesn't want anyone to step up against him. Uh, it's definitely, like, a guy who's just pushing everybody in his life away, uh, situation, which, uh, I think Eddie Kingston would very much kill, uh, just being, like, a guy who cannot handle pressure, and then- then- you get to kind of, like, the secondary story of the guy who can, in fact, handle pressure. Like, the next time he gets up to the top of the mountain, you know, he probably has like a full-on run as a baby face. He doesn't, like, crumble to the pressure. He is able to withstand it. Maybe he has friends around him that help support him. You know, Eddie Kingston basically uh, has to win a world title and uh, hit rock bottom to become healthy again. You know. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. The full redemption arc.
0: Yep. I can dig it. Alright, well, we'll look forward to your fantasy booking becoming a reality. God, please. Um, be- because Eddie Kingston does seem like a cool guy and it'd be cool to see him succeed, but also because I would just like the pure comedy of Orange Casty being beset by misfortune at every angle. <laughs>
2: The thing is, that he may not be corruptible, but bad things will probably continue to happen to him. Like, Orange Cassidy's the yeah. kind of guy who's like, alright, I'm tired of this world championship shit, and just stop, just advocates.
0: <laughs> We're gonna imagine- Okay, now that you've put the idea of Orange Cassidy heel turn, I'm gonna be picturing that very hard. <laughs> and I'm gonna be picturing that while we go to the friendship promo. <laughs> All right, we're back. And I think what would happen is he would rebrand himself as Blood Orange Castle. Oh,
2: that would be pretty sick.
0: <laughs> it's red. We, uh... <laughs> that's that's Eddie Kingston's comeback. It's fucking red! <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Brian, thank you for explaining wrestling to us again. You're
2: very welcome. Anytime. Anytime you want me to come explain
0: wrestling. <laughs> we'll see if any of it sticks until next year. <laughs> Alright, so where can you be found on the internet if it's still standing?
2: Um, yeah, if you can- if Twitter still exists, um, you can find me, uh, on the internet at RoomwarePod, um, that is, uh, my- the- my Twitter account, uh, and also, uh, my podcast's Twitter account. Uh, you probably shouldn't make those two things the same thing, but, like, you know, if you want a podcast- if you want to follow a podcast feed that tweets nothing but leftist propaganda, uh, I'm your boy- um
0: (laughs) there we go (laughs) um
2: you can find me there uh you can also find me um on the shows uh dumb kids playing hero which is like an animorphs inspired actual play and you can also find uh, me and my good friend august over on gay space rocks um, that's where we talk about cartoons. Uh, we finished up. Oh, we were on that one. Yes, they were. Yeah. We were. Yeah. We Lindsay. Tanner and Lindsay yeah. were on that one. Uh, we're actually, we're no longer talking about Steven Universe. Uh, we finally finished Steven Universe. Um, but we are, we are currently on to the Owl House. We're actually about to finish up the Owl. Probably by the time this episode comes out, we will have finished the Owl House season one.
0: You're running out of, you're running, oh, season Season one, yeah I was gonna be like, you're running out of gay cartoons! I know.
2: Well, (laughs) we're gonna switch to, our original idea was we were gonna watch Revolutionary Girl Utena, and then the Owl House was ending as we were finishing up Steven Universe, and we're like, there's probably never a better time SEO-wise for us to start watching this show. (laughs) That makes sense. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, uh... Probably by the time you hear this, our kind of between-season episode uh, where we watch something else as a palette cleanser will be popping up, and we'll be watching Shin Common Rider with our friend, good friend Brandon O'Brien. Oh, nice. But you can find us there. Uh, you can also find me retweeting the same thing every two weeks uh, on that Twitter account, uh, at gay space Pod, Uh, which is not a podcast about gay space, uh, even though there is apparently... A podcast called the Gay Space Pod, which I think is about gay space, like queer spaces. Um, but they don't have the Twitter handle we do, and we get tagged all the oh, time.
0: No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so rip to those people. But I was here
0: first. You'll have to. You'll have to do some kind of crossover at some mm-hmm. point. I, I've tweeted. <laughs> also, no. Rel- also, no relation to the Saturday Night Live sketch GAYS in Space." <laughs> GAYS in space, space, space.
2: Um but yeah. Uh outside of that, um you can typically find me like cruising a bunch of around a bunch of Discords, the actual social media that I use on a regular basis. I'm too I, I I wasn't good at Tumblr the first time, I'm not going back, and no one's gotten me a blue sky invite, so I'm going down the ship with some, um, with Twitter.
0: <laughs> I haven't even checked my blue sky in like two weeks. Cause like I wanted to get in because it was invite only, so I wanted to make sure I could get in. But now that I'm in, it's like, well, this is just Boring Twitter. (laughs) Appreciate my friends putting lots of pictures of their dogs on there, but, like, I need more. (laughs) I need chaos. Speaking of which, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet?
1: Well, I can be found at lindsaym476, that's Lindsay spelled with an A, that's still on Twitter, um, you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there, though I'm more active on Tumblr now, which is Crash476. Tanner, where can people find you?
0: You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, or on Neopets at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Letters for not if I reboot you first. And they will see you at Blood and Guts.
2: (laughs)
1: You can also email us at not if I at gmail.com or you can send us <laughs> your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your fantasy bookings or strange tales about Vince McMahon.
0: That's also where you can send us a friendship promo, whether it's an audio clip or a proof for us to read. But either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or your YouTube or even your DeviantArt.
1: Not if I reboot you first is a member of the Corner Podcast Network and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord.
0: As always, our cover art is by Alex Pearson, who work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by Sean Clake, whose contact info was available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty
1: 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotil, and the Cinnaborn, and homeland of the Métis.
0: And this is Tanner from the future here to tell you that Lindsay's hint for next week uh doesn't count because we are being in solidarity with the WGA and SEGA after strikes, which means that we are not going to be promoting any live-action film or TV projects that already exist until the strike is finished. Um, Or, well, I guess technically there are some live-action film TV stuff we could, but specifically we'd have to check if they were produced, like, the outside of this egg after the signatories and stuff. They have a whole database. It's a thing. It's not a difficult thing for us to do, though, so that's why we're doing it. And also because, like, hey, solidarity. We do it even if it was difficult. But that just means that we had to change up our plans and we didn't have anything off the cuff to put in here. So join us next time for whatever we figure out we're doing. Hey! Until then, Brian, thank you for being here today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And for the rest of you all, we'll see you next week, but not if we boot you first. Thank you. Bye.
1: Bye.